It's so good to see so many families here. It's really good for us to gather together as the family of God as well. And seeing so many children and so many parents, I'd like the parents to consider, and perhaps the children as well, do your children always listen to you? Do they always do what you tell them? My guess is no. Um, But why do you tell them things in the first place? Do this or don't do that. Probably because you love them and you want what's best for them. You want to keep them safe and you want them to grow and develop and be responsible, mature human beings. So, for example, you might tell your children to go play outside in the backyard because it's good for them to get exercise, it's good for them to be in the sun, the backyard is a safe place. But you probably also tell them not to play in the street because that can be dangerous. You probably tell them they should do their chores for the household because it'll help them grow in responsibility, it'll help them mature, it'll give them self-confidence, And you probably also tell them not to spend the entire day playing video games or watching movies because that's not going to help them. Instead, if they did that for the whole day, they'd probably become more lazy and selfish. And so, why is it though that even though you're telling them all of these things that they should and should not do because you love them and you want what's best for them, why is it that they don't always do these things? or avoid these things. Maybe they think that the rules are arbitrary. Maybe they think that they're unfair. So they just decide, well, not gonna follow them. Maybe they think that they know better than their parents. Maybe they think, this is how things ought to be, this is what I like, and so this is what I'll do. Maybe, maybe they don't realize how much you love them and care about them. Maybe there's a lack of trust there. That they don't trust that you're looking out for what's truly best for them. Or maybe they do know that you love them and that these rules do have a meaning and a purpose, even if they may not understand it at that moment. But perhaps they just have a certain weakness. Maybe they just really struggle to avoid stealing cookies from the cookie jar, even though they know they shouldn't do it. So, what then can be done? Well, if you know why your children aren't following your rules, then you can try to counter that. If it's because they don't realize how much you love them, then try to reveal that love more fully. If it's because they think the rules are arbitrary, to explain to them why you're having these rules and how these rules help them. If we can counter the reasons why they're not being obedient, not following the rules that you gave them for their well-being, then they're more likely to follow them. I say this because this is also true for all of us, because we are all children of God. And our Lord gives us many commandments out of love for all of us. He's our creator. He created us out of love. He created us for love. He loved us into existence. And he tells us what to do and what not to do because he wants what's best for us. 
Because he wants us to become good and holy, responsible people. He wants us to become spiritually matured. He wants us to be the best that we can be. And yet, we don't always listen. We don't always obey. And why is it that we don't do that? Why is it that we don't follow what God tells us, our loving Father in heaven? Maybe it's because we think his rules are arbitrary. Maybe it's because we think his rules are unfair. Maybe it's because we think we know better than God. Maybe there's a lack of of trust. Maybe we don't realize how much God loves us. Maybe it's our own weakness. If we can understand why it is that we don't always follow God's commands and counter them, then it would be easier for us to follow his commands. The commands of a loving father who wants what's best for us. If we struggle to recognize and receive the love of God, then we should seek that out in relationship with the Lord. One of the great ways to receive the love of God, there are many ways, of course, but one of them is to recall the many blessings you've received, to recall the good things of life and express your gratitude to God. When we know how blessed we are, it's easier for us to see the love of God behind those blessings. If we think God's rules are arbitrary, then we should try to understand the why behind them. How is it that God saying, do this or don't do that, how is that actually best for us? Because if we understand that these rules aren't arbitrary, that they really are for our good, it makes it easier for us to follow them. It makes it easier for us to choose to do what we are being told, knowing that our loving God wants what's best for us. In our gospel passage, we hear about many commands from God, from Jesus Christ. And I'm not going to go through each one individually, but we might notice that Jesus takes what was from the Old Testament moral code, and he expands upon it. Starting off in many of these cases in our gospel passage, saying, you have heard that it was said, but I say to you, And then what he says is even more challenging. Because what we heard about before is the exterior actions. But Jesus is saying what's inside our hearts can also be sinful. If what we're thinking, what we're desiring, what we're choosing is contrary to what's truly good for us, then that's wrong and we need to avoid that for the sake of our own benefit for the sake of flourishing, for the sake of being good and holy and responsible people. Jesus is saying what's in the heart, what precedes these exterior actions, needs to be rightly oriented to what is true and just and good and holy. So he has all of these examples in our gospel passage about how we are to live for the sake of our own benefit out of love for all of us. And what is it that our Lord's ultimate goal is for us? He wants what's best for us, but what actually is truly best for us? Well, what's best for us is to be united with God. What's best for us is to be with him forever in heaven. In our second reading, we get some idea of what that might be like. But if we were to ponder and consider what heaven might be like. It's being with God forever. God who is love, who is truth, who is goodness, 
whose joy? And so if we think about our own lives here on earth, and we think about whatever it is that made us happiest here on earth, that's just but a small little glimpse of what heaven will be like. If we think about our time here on earth and the moments in our lives where we felt the most loved, that's just a small little glimpse of what heaven will be like. We heard from St. Paul that what eye has not seen and ear has not heard and what has not entered the human heart, what God has prepared for those who love him. God prepares a place for us with him forever in heaven. And so heaven, as we try to attempt to understand how great that would be, whatever it is we come up with in our own imaginations, in our own minds and hearts, is not even going to come close to how great heaven actually is. And that's where God wants us to be. He wants us to be with him forever in heaven. But as we hear in our first reading, we have the ability to choose. We can choose to follow God and his commandments. We can choose to love him in return, knowing that he loves us and gave us these things for our benefit. Or we can choose to go our own way. We can choose to go astray. We can choose to turn our backs to God and do something else. We have the ability to choose. And so we are encouraged in our first reading as well to choose to follow the Lord, to choose to follow his commandments, which he's given us out of love, to choose to remain in that relationship with God, that relationship of love that he has for all of us. And from that relationship, from that trust, from that love that we have from God, knowing how much he cares about us, even if we don't understand the commandments fully and completely and how they're actually good for us, we can still say yes to the Lord and follow him as he calls us. So let us each consider what we can do, one change in our lives, one way that we can better follow the Lord. If we struggle to follow his commands for whatever reason, what is that reason? And how can we overcome it? If we don't understand them, how can we go and seek out answers? Perhaps look in the catechism, go to catholic.com, which is Catholic Answers' website. They have a lot of good material there helping us to understand things. You can listen to Father Mike Schmidt's Bible in a Year podcast to understand scripture. But you can also listen to his latest podcast, Catechism in a Year. You can go to form.org, which is free to all our parishioners. If you register there as one of our parishioners, they have lots of great materials helping us understand the faith. If it's a sense of a lack of love, then to try to go deeper in that. How is it that we can better receive the love of God so that filled with that love, we can follow him as we're called? And if we recognize that we understand these, these commandments are good for us, but we're just weak and we have a tendency towards those sins. What changes can we make to strengthen ourselves against those temptations? In what ways can we overcome those weaknesses? So again, this week, just come up with one change that you can make in your life to help you in your relationship with God and to follow him as he calls us. Let us consider what that one change might be as we prepare to meet our Lord Jesus Christ in the Most Holy Eucharist.